So as we venture into these podcasts in hopes of shedding light into the world of recovery, I thought it would be best to start from within, sharing stories from individuals within the Umbrella Society who have found success in their own recovery. And in this upcoming series of three podcasts, I'll be speaking with three individuals who share something in common. All three of these individuals have found success through Umbrella's very own Foundation House. This is the second stage supportive recovery home for men. Foundation House has a special place in the hearts of so many who have lived and worked there. It's a place of hope, it's a place of redemption, of connection. And for so many, Foundation House is a haven where someone can put their lives back together after it's been blown apart by addiction and substance use. The model of Foundation House has been celebrated, it's been recognized, emulated, but it's also been challenged, and it's challenged some of the fundamentals surrounding recovery housing. Unlimited length of stay for folks sticking with their program and their sobriety, and also allowing residents to work or go to school during their stay. This has helped create a model where uh, people actually can set down their roots within the house and give themselves the necessary amount of time to prepare for living on their own again. Because people stick around uh, for longer periods of time, they become more invested in the house and this natural brotherhood and connection is formed. The support and the love between the residents, the sense of home that can be felt as soon as you walk into Foundation House is tangible. And if you're thinking about it, for someone in the early stages of their recovery, this feeling of belonging, this sense of home, it can make all the difference in the world. Also, having an individualized relapse policy is such a key piece to the success of this house. So sticking with individuals when they've had a slip or relapse and providing them with love and support in their time of crisis can be tremendously impactful. I feel that an investment into somebody who is investing into the house and into their own recovery, it means that we work through the ups and downs of their recovery, whatever that may look like. Ultimately, we believe in people that are coming through this house and we challenge them to put in the work necessary to finding that success in their recovery. Support, connection, friendship, but also accountability are key aspects to what makes Foundation House a successful place of recovery. Also, the house does have one permanent resident. This is Laika, the house dog. Uh, Laika is a rescue dog who's seen her fair share of hardship. She can sometimes be uh, pretty hard on the new residents who come to the house, but once you've invested some time into building that relationship, the bonds we've seen uh, between Laika and the residents uh, it can be very special and it can actually be a huge piece to someone's recovery. The other intriguing aspect about Foundation House is its staffing model. Foundation House is run by a housing manager under the support and direction of Umbrella's executive director. The housing manager is responsible for running the weekly house meetings as well as the morning check-ins. Uh, they need to take care of evictions, intakes, discipline, settling disputes, but they're actually not on site a great deal. The long-standing residents are the ones responsible for ensuring that the house is running the way it should. Foundation House is run on the senior resident model where one of the veteran residents, this is someone who has shown hard work, dedication, and commitment to the house, they oversee uh, house chores, they help coordinate kitchen duties and groceries, they ensure that curfews are being adhered to, and that the residents are safe outside of business hours. They're basically the general go-to guy around the house. In exchange for this, they get to pay a reduced rent. When I was the housing manager for Foundation House, I was blessed to have a guy named Eric as my senior resident. This guy went above and beyond to make sure that the house was in good shape. He took pride in the appearance and the cleanliness of the house, and he held his fellow residents to a high standard of living. But beyond that, Eric believed in and fostered the camaraderie, the connection, and the family dynamic within the house. So making residents feel a part of and creating bonding opportunities was a specialty of his. Uh, whether it was like organizing golf or sports activities, um, organizing barbecues, or simply packing in as many fellow residents into his car to go attend a meeting, 
Eric was one that recognized that this connection with others is so important to the success of someone's recovery. Before Eric entered into recovery and moved into the house, he lived many years isolated from others and so consumed by his addiction. Uh, by the time Eric entered the house, he had spent years trying to get sober. But his commitment to the house and to those around him, as well and to himself, it gave him the motivation to give his recovery the attention it deserved. Uh, Eric remained in the house for over three years, so giving him a substantial sober time. Uh, when he uh, left, he took over my position as the housing manager for Umbrella so that he could keep the spirit and that life force of Foundation House going. Um, so the continued connection to in the house is also incredibly valuable for his own recovery as he supports new residents in their journey. Eric is now over four years sober. Uh, he has a full-time job with the Umbrella Society. He has a comfortable home, a lovely wife, a six-month-old son, Peter, and another one on the way. <laughs> I couldn't be more happy or proud of Eric's accomplishments. After years of struggling, this must feel to his friends and family as nothing short of a miracle. But I can tell you, behind this miracle lies hard work, personal accountability, and dedication, which lies at the root of Eric's success and recovery. So it is my pleasure to bring Eric onto this Comfortably Unnumbed podcast to discuss his journey from addiction to recovery, as well as to speak to the virtues of Foundation House. I want to hear firsthand why this is such a successful program, in his opinion. All right. Eric, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is uh, you know a great podcast where we get to dive in a little bit about uh, Foundation House, obviously, and uh, you know, you've had such a memorable experience at Foundation House and has, have left your 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 mark for sure. Uh, you're you're now at about just over four years, is that correct? In yeah, recovery. Yeah, in October, end of October, it took my four year chip. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, well, I remember uh, you know when the the journey was just starting for you, and uh, you know it's really cool to see how far you've come. Um, I think it would be really powerful to to talk about your story a little bit and uh, just let us know kind of what what brought you you know uh, into your recovery journey as it were. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I can start out as you know as as a youth, you know, being into sports, you know, playing hockey growing up, and you know, just playing baseball and um, throughout the years, just uh, growing up as a normal kid, you know, and never had any any trauma or any childhood abuse or you know I grew up in a healthy ha happy home and both my parents were, were involved and then uh, you know at the, the age of 17 my my father he uh, he got brain cancer and uh, you know he shortly passed after that you know a, a year after he he found out he had it he he passed away and you know that's kind of kind of when my uh, addiction kind of took off um, you know, when I look back at it now, it, it even started before he even got sick, you know, whether that started with marijuana and, and you know, the booze on the weekends. But, you know, th throughout my late, later teens, you know, it, it really kind of jumped off and began to spiral. And, um, you know, throughout, throughout my early 20s, is, that's when it really started to get bad. And, you know, it was affecting my life on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I was... You know, it started out like everyone, you know, it started out fun when drinking on the weekends, partying with friends. And then, you know, throughout my early 20s, it got to the point where, you know, I was coming home and, and sneaking it around, hiding it. And, you know, basically every night I was getting home, getting off work and, you know, getting drunk. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, it just even it just got worse and worse. And, you know, I, I was... I don't know if it was if I was using alcohol to cope or if it was just that I was just turning into an alcoholic and um you know th throughout the years it just 
I just got carried away with it. I was using alcohol to cope, but I was also using it, you know, to function. Right. You know, I, I, I had to have it at all costs. And, um, you know, it was, it was crazy looking back at, you know, I was basically an alcoholic for a good 17 years of my life. And, um, you know, in, in my twenties, you know, I would, I would move cities or, you know, move back in with my mom and, you know, all these, all these bad things kept happening to me, whether that was like, you know, getting in trouble with the law or, you know, losing my place to live or losing jobs, you know, it got to that point, but you know, that, that didn't stop me. You know, I, I just kept, kept going and it kept getting worse. Like, you know, they say, they say alcoholism is a progressive illness. And, and I truly believe that because right. when I look back throughout, throughout my drinking career, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, it got to the point where, you know, I was withdrawing every day, like waking up in the morning, shaking, you know, barely being able to move, shaking so bad. You know, I remember, you know, back in back doing roofing, the guys would laugh at me because I was, you know, trying to twist up my my cigarettes and I was shaking so bad that half the cigarette fell out and the tobacco went everywhere. So, right. you know, and then, you know, the getting in, getting in trouble with the law, you know, like wait getting woken up in in the drunk tank and you know knocking on the cell door and asking the guard how like why am i in here what, what did i do because I, I would drink to you know to oblivion and black out every night and and you know that, that that's a scary feeling waking up in a jail cell and not knowing, not what, knowing what the hell you did and asking asking the guard why am i in here and you know fortunately nothing too major happened to me over, over the years and and you know, same with the same with the places to live. You know, I would I would rent a place and then, you know, piss off the landlords and you know just basically I was like a like a sloppy fall down drunk and um, I live I lived like that for years and um, you know especially even with the relationships couldn't keep a healthy relationships right. all my relationships you know it was drugs and alcohol that was our main the focal point that was the vocal point that that's how it started and and then you know be, me being the alcoholic you know the girlfriend's finally like you know you're picking the bottle over me and basically ending it there and you know lost a lot of relationships as well and you know but uh you know throughout the years like you know my withdrawals were getting worse and worse the hangovers were getting worse and, and, you know, the trouble was, I was getting into more trouble, you know, and, and I, I was like thinking, thinking to myself, I'm like, how, how the hell did I get here? Like, how did I turn into such an alcoholic? You know, my, my father wasn't an alcoholic. Like I, he would buy like a six pack and it would last them two weeks in the fridge. Right. You know, I, I think it was, I think it is in my genes. Like, you know, like all, all my mom's side of the family, all, all the men in my mom's side are either drug addicts or alcoholics so i think it is uh you know hereditary disease i think sure. yeah and i think that you know now that i look back at it but uh i think you know throughout the years like you know i, di I did want to stop like it got to that point where you know i wanted to stop but i just was so hooked on it that i, I just couldn't like i had to have that booze at all costs and you know, it, it got to the point where I was isolating and, you know, it was me and, you know, a case of beer or a bottle in, in my room alone. And it got to the point where I was antisocial and I just, you know, was happy with just being drunk all the time. It was, right. 
you know, it was years and years of that. And, um, it got to the point, you know, where, you know, I was getting really sick. And so I, you know, tried detox, you know, I remember I've been in detox multiple times, maybe even close to 10. And, you know, I'd get going to detox, you know, for a week expecting to stay sober. You know, that was the goal of going in there, going in for, you know, seven to eight days and, you know, being able to eat properly again and sleep, sleep half decent and, and then, you know, get out of detox and then just go straight back to the, to drinking again, you know, and not changing anything, not following up with anything, basically not listening to anyone in the detox staff telling me, you know, you need to, you need to do more than you need to do more than these seven days. You need to, you know, find some groups, some AA or, you know, some groups and, and keep it going. And, and, you know, and also, you know, through, through going to treatment a few times, it was, you know, once I was court ordered to go to treatment, that didn't work. Um, and then one time it was my boss told me to go. And then another time it was just a, just a friend that wanted me to go and you know i would i would go to the treatment as well for the you know 28 days and then basically get out and you know go back to my same place my same friends and same job and you know a week later or even a you know a couple days after getting out of treatment it would be right right back to it and you know when i look back it it was as soon as that that bottle hit my lips and that that first sip was was what always took me back and like they say you know as soon as i picked up that drink it, i it was right back to where i left off from when i went into treatment yeah. and i think that you know that was part of my you know part of the reason why i wasn't staying sober was because you know i wasn't listening to anybody you know i had the you know the ego they say of you know, I'm, I'm way worse than these people, you know, I'm, I don't need this freaking AA stuff or these groups and I don't need the counseling. I don't, I don't need any of this. Like I can quit on my own, but you know, you know, two months down the line, you, you're sitting in detox again and you're wondering why the hell you're sitting there again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doing the exact same thing. You know, I, it got to the point in my drinking where, you know, I wasn't eating, I was going weeks without eating, like just throwing up straight bile. And it's just a nasty, nasty disease, alcoholism. And, and you know, like the drugs, the drugs were there. But for me, it was always the alcohol was my, you know, was my go-to. Right. At the time, you know, I liked to, to drink to oblivion. I, I didn't drink for the taste. I didn't drink for any reason else but to get shit-faced. And, right. and that's kind of kind of where it it led me and then you know with all the bad things that came with with being an alcoholic you know like being sick all the time you know the trouble that comes like just having no money no job no you know no friends it got to that point as well and you know finally I was like okay like I gotta try and do something different because what I'm doing isn't working and was there like a, a moment where you kind of had that realization or was it just, did you just come I to think it, it was you? just, you know, I was just like they say, you know, I was just so sick of being sick all the time. Like right. I couldn't, it got to the point where I couldn't really function. Like, right. So you was, knew you had to kind of, it was like, make. I, I, I hated drinking, but I was like so hooked on it that it just wasn't a choice anymore that it was like, you know, I had to get rid of the withdrawals and, you know, my anxiety was so, 
out of whack and you know i wasn't sleeping properly and all that other stuff that comes with it and it just it's just a nasty nasty disease and and you know i I was i I just didn't know how i ended up like that when i did and you know but uh i think the turning point in in my drinking was you know was finally you know being being willing to do something like to follow up with you know with just either treatment you know detox treatment and then you know finally surrendering and being like okay i need some help like i cannot do this obviously i can't do it on my own right i I don't have willpower when it comes to drinking the drink controls me and if i drink i'm gonna you, you all of a sudden are playing that tape for and you know when you're where you're gonna end up right? yeah i mean like i've done it i've done it so many times that i'm just like okay like this isn't gonna work and right. you know it, waking up in, in a jail cell or like you know waking up the next day and being told what you did the night before that scared me because you know it, it got to that point where you know something bad was gonna come right. my yeah. way and it time, it's not yeah. it's a scary feeling and and you know being so unhealthy and and just having having the withdrawals and just being being sick all the time and depressed too you know i was isolating i had no friends and i just hated myself i hated what i'd become so right. you know so you kind of have this realization you're, you you know, god do something differently what could you do differently what was the what was that that turning point obviously there was something different in the the way you were approaching it but what did you actually do differently other than the, the seven day you said you've done treatment? What was the, what was the approach? Well, you know, like when I went, when I went into detox this last time, you know, I, I, I was basically cut off, you know, my mom wasn't going to help me anymore. Um, I didn't have any place to, to go to after, you know, I was just going into detox. I went into detox with a ba- backpack full of, of dirty clothes and that's basically that's all it. I had to my name. Okay. And, and then I was, you know, I was just like, okay, like something, something's got to change. And then um, I went, you know, I did the stabilization, which is a 30-day uh, kind of like a outpatient treatment sort of at the hospital uh, here in Victoria. And and then, you know, someone from Umbrella came and offered me a bed at uh, Second Stage of Living. And I think that was the, the big factor, the big change in my life that's what I needed to do was to was to follow up with that and um you know I went to treatment one time before and uh got offered a spot in second stage and I turned it down and you know I went back to that same treatment center a year later and the counselor there was like you know should have took that second stage bed you know I didn't I didn't really know what that entailed but um, so yeah, I kind of, I, I was like willing to do anything cause I was, I had the willingness of, you know, that I needed to stay sober and, right. and you're, you're going to take use of the options that were presented in front of you. Yeah. Like I, it's something that I never did before. Just, yeah. you know, listen, listen right. to people that were sober, you know, right. sitting in detox, like these people came in and they were like, they brought a meeting into detox and they were like, why don't you join our home group? why don't you come to these meetings? Why don't, you know, go to the recovery house and put in the work? Cause you, you know, yeah. staying sober isn't easy. Right. It really right. isn't. It takes work. It's not just going to happen cause I wanted it to, right. you know, I wanted it. To, I wanted to stay sober for years, but 
you yeah, weren't willing to put in the time. I wasn't willing <laughs> to do anything, right? right? Like the, it, it takes, takes effort and it, it takes like dedication. And, you know, I, I feel fortunate now that, you know, I'm, I, I am sober and I am four years sober. Like that's a miracle. Cause like, you know, I was drinking every day for like, especially the last maybe 10 years of my drinking, it was just, it was just a shit show and it, right. it just got so out of control. And I honestly, at the time, you know, four years ago, I was just hopeless. I was like, okay, like I didn't really have a, have any hope that I could stay sober. I was just like, okay, this is my life. And this is just the way the cards I was dealt, I guess. And, but then, you know, that's, that's poor me, pity me, like feeling sorry for myself getting, you know, and that got me nowhere. Right. And so finally, I, I don't know if what they call it, you know, if that's a spiritual awakening or something that was like, okay, I got to do something different. And then, you know, that I got offered the spot at, you know, foundation house, the uh, recovery second stage with 12, with 11 guys. And, you know, I took that, took that bed and it was, you know, it was a life changer. So it was the best thing that, you know, that I did. And, um, you know, it got me away from isolation. It got me, you know, a recovery community. And, you know, it really taught me how to stay sober. And, and you know, I needed that accountability of, of living in a sober environment with sober people around me right. doing the same kind of thing. And it just having fun as well, right? Like, you got to have fun in sobriety. Otherwise, you know, what's the point, right? Totally. Well, and I think, you know, I think you touched on a, a few things, you know, um, but, you know, w- when you come into a house, you know, and we've, we've talked about this with Foundation House, it's, um, there's almost a, a forced brotherhood, right? And it's, it's yeah. uh, you know, it's people are in the, the same position and you're in very close quarters with uh, with a bunch of people and you, you have to get along, you have to connect with people, right? It kind of forces your hand at that, right? Um, so when you, when you first got into the house, obviously, um, you know, there's always some kind of, uh, you know, growing pains that, that are attached to it. Uh, what was your experience like when you first come to this house? This is the first time you've done sober living essentially, right? You yeah. know, first experience with the second stage model. How, how did it, how did it go for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, moving in, I was, you know, it was intimidating being around, you know, 10 fresh guys that, you know, I, I didn't know. And I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, it, uh, the first month was, you know, just getting kind of comfortable with, with the surroundings to being around a, a bunch of people all the time. Cause you know, you living with, uh, 10 other guys, you know, you don't get much, you don't get much space to yourself. And I was sharing a room which was different as well. But, you know, I, when I look back, you know, like the, it was an easy transition because, you know, I was, so alone and so isolated and just didn't really have any friends and 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 that house was like it it was just what I needed at, at that time in my life to to be around other guys you know guys that were in the same age age same age as me and also just in the same state of mind where everyone was just trying to get better and trying to just be a better person and and really, you know, staying sober. And I think like, like they say that you, you can't do it alone and you need that supportive community. And, uh, that's what the house kind of brought. It was, right. you know, I, 
it, there wasn't really a challenge for me to to be in that environment i actually just enjoyed it as soon as i moved in and just rolled with it and then met a few guys that i connected with and you know we were going to meetings together and you know hanging out shooting hoops or throwing the baseball around and you know stuff that stuff that i lost in my addiction you know my, my when i was an alcoholic all i did was drink and you know, I had to learn how to live again. Right. And I think that's one other thing with the house brings is, you know, connection, friendship, and support. And that's something that I didn't have in, in my drinking. And I think that was such a huge factor. It was, you know, it's a safe place to be. You know, everyone's sober and, you know, everyone's on the same page. So I think that, uh, yeah, yeah, I kind of... Yeah. And I mean... You know, I, I I kind of remember when the the switch almost flicked when you were when you were there once you'd kind of got comfortable and I I saw and we saw in you this um, investment in the house. You know, I I remember there was one day where you were just went on a mission and cleaned the entire kitchen and cleaned out the the oven and were sweeping the floors and and the um, the emotional and physical investment that you actually put into the house you know, it, it spoke volumes to where you were at in your recovery, you know, and I, I remember that. And, uh, I mean, obviously that kind of continued and, and grew and, and pretty soon you were offered the role as, as the senior resident. Can you, can you talk about the senior resident model a little bit there? Because that, that is quite a unique model and something that I, I think is, is one of the, the highlights of, of the program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think I got the senior, senior resident, uh, after my first year, um, senior resident is you know the guy the guy who kind of watches over the house when you know staff aren't aren't there um you know checking chores making sure the guys are you know home on curfew um just kind of you know setting setting an example for for the other guys and you know also like reporting to staff if there's any issues but uh i think like the senior guys like someone all the other guys kind of look up to and respect and you know, I wanted it when, when I took over, you know, I, I wanted, I came in and it was a safe place and I wanted to keep it that way, a safe, clean environment. And, you know, I think that's, that's really important in, in recovery is having, you know, a clean place, a, a safe place and, you know, somewhere where, you know, you can be proud to call home and, you know, from coming from where I did, you know, never having a, a you know, a safe place to stay or, you know, basically a place that I can call my own. But, um, you know, like when I, when I got offered to senior, senior residency, I was a little bit, you know, shocked in, in a way because, you know, here I am like just this shy guy coming into the house, not knowing anybody, but I just kind of took it and ran with it. And, you know, it, 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 it was a life, life changing moment as well for me because, you know, it, it gave me that self-esteem back and, it, it it just helped me grow as as a man and you know it it really boosted my self esteem and and my self respect and <laughs> yeah i just like i don't know really how to explain how how much that really changed changed my life as well but uh well it's i mean a pretty empowering you know to when you're going to a place where you really weren't didn't feel like a leader and taking on that leadership role you know that's 
it's, it's, I think that's a pretty empowering, you know, place to be. And I think you, that you did an exceptional job as well, you know, in your time as a senior resident. I, obviously, like the work ethic was there and the chores, but when, for me, you know, it was the um, the buying that you had and the understanding about the brotherhood, you know, and understanding about, hey, we got to get out, like you were saying, and having fun. Um, you know, I think, and that's something that we've been talking about, you know, a, a lot in, in these casts is, you know, the lack of, um, of, of fun sometimes in recovery. Recovery is such a serious, um, you know, topic and it's so hard work and sometimes what's left out is is having fun and, and you actually having to learn how to have fun again uh yeah. sober and yeah. and realizing that there is you know <laughs> there's life after after the substances right and uh yeah. you know i i think that that yeah the that that takes uh, that takes effort but man that that went a long way i think both both me and you kind of come from a sports background and and that was the vibe when when things were going well at the house it kind of felt like a a, a sports team in, in a sense right where yeah. everybody was kind of joking around with each other uh everyone was doing stuff together there was this kind of cohesiveness and bonding that took place um yeah how important was that no oh, that was huge i just i just remember you know like even even to this day you know the, the guys that i first moved in with you know four years ago we still hang out to this day we're all like right. there's a there's about four or five of us that are you know this one guy just took us five years and you know other guys are already at four and a half and you know we get together every month or two you know to shoot pool at, at the at the pool hall or we go meet up for pizza and you know just reminisce on and and laugh about the times that we had there because you know it was it was a brotherhood and and you know my best friends today are people that i met through the house and i we continue to support each other and and make sure we're still on track and keep each other accountable and you know continue that friendship and and you know it's people that people that i met in the house are you know are my are my true friends today you know i i, I don't really hang out with anybody that i used to and don't really communicate with those guys you know i had to move on from that lifestyle and and i think that you know, I got a lot from, from that and, you know, friendships, that's something that, you know, that I lost through my addiction, you know, mm. and like you said, having fun, you know, going, we, when COVID hit, you know, we would go to the golf course every day and go play golf and we, none of us were working because of, of COVID, but, you know, the golf course was still open. So we would go, you know, every day in the summer and, and just have laughs and all pile in my little car and, and just go go to the course and make a day of it. And, you know, we were going to meetings together as well. And just, just it was like a team. It was really, like like you said, it was a sports team. But, you know, like, and, and not everyone's on that same, same page where not everyone was into the sports or, you know, some guys, you know, I probably wouldn't hang out with on a, on a, on a regular day like that, that, you know, you get all mixes in the house and, and that's something you have to adapt to as well. Like the age difference sometimes can be a factor or, you know, just some guys are on a different level, but I think that, you know, for the most part, everyone got along and then the guys that, you know, that are successful coming out of there is, are the guys, you know, that stay long-term and that bought in. And, and you know, they say, like, you got to stay in the middle of the pact. And that's what, you know, that's what I was doing. You know, I was right in the middle and surrounding myself with healthy people. And, and 
Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think you, you touched on on a good couple things here. You know, um, I think, like you say, staying for the long term and kind of buying in the people that we saw see a lot of success. And I know you've said this a lot, and and I really always appreciated this when you would you know would would address this that you know, stay longer than, than you think, you know, um, th- that our model is, is definitely one that doesn't have a time limit. It's something that we've touched upon. I think it's one of these, uh, key pieces to the success of this program is you get to stay for a long term. And I, I see that doing a couple of things for one, it does have individuals that, um, stick around and understand and are buying into the program. So, you know, if you have a, a program that's only three months long, you kind of lose that, right? Everyone's new and everyone's still feeling each other out. Whereas this, there's this kind of indentured core that can get created. But secondly, you know, I, you know, when we see it, you know, time and time again, it's the recovery is a long process <laughs> and it's a longer oh, process sure. than, yeah. than people want to, you know, uh, really sometimes uh, accept. And the people that do accept this long process and then giving the opportunity to stay in a supportive environment like Foundation House for as long as you need to, um, I, I think for me, is that's kind of breeding that recipe for success. We've seen so many people come and go from the house. And how many times did we see people that left on their own volition feeling like they were ready when the rest of us are kind of looking around going, I don't think you're quite ready yet, right? And <laughs> Yeah. A lot of times we'd see them back at, at the doors, um, you know, trying again. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Can you speak to, to, to that? And, and you know, that it takes a lot of patience though, to kind of see that through. Right. And, and it's not for everybody to, to tough it out. And, uh, you know, I, I remember with you, you were, you know, it was, you were about to take your, your second year and you're still at the house obviously. And, and you said, man, I gotta, I gotta up my game with my recovery. And that blew me away. It showed that, extra understanding that this is a longer process and it's something you got to work really hard for quite a while at right yeah yeah for sure i mean like from when i got into the house you know the guys that i looked up to were were there for you know over a year or a year and a half and you know i think like you know addiction it it's going to take longer than you know than a month or two months of of treatment and you know it takes time to to learn it like you said earlier to learn how to live and and you know to to test the waters you know like going going to functions like without alcohol and drugs or like you know like i remember when i first moved in i went to the new year's dance and you know it was like all these new things that i tried because everything i did i had to, i had to be drunk to do you know whether that you know go out with friends it was always drugs and alcohol or or i wasn't doing it so you have to learn how to live and and that's that's the key with foundation houses is also like the time limit like you know there was no there was no like set time where it was like oh my days are numbered here i gotta figure out you know i gotta get this job start saving up money and you know what am i gonna do i didn't really worry about that when i lived there i was just taking my time and and, you know, like just focusing on staying sober and, and, you know, I was just seeing it, seeing it happen that, you know, as long as I was staying sober, good things were happening to me and things were coming my way, whether I was looking for it or not. And I think that that's also what I saw too, you know, like guys come in, they, they get the job, they get the girl or things are going well. And then they're like, okay, well, I'm ready to, you know, ready to go. And right. then. 
done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, and then, you know, I'd see, you'd hear from them or see them, you know, a month after they left and they're, you know, they're not doing well. They, they've relapsed or, you know, and then, they, you know, they want to, they have to start all over again. And, you know, that's something, something that I did too. You know, it took me multiple times, it took me a lot of trial and error throughout the years to, to finally, you know, to finally commit. Right. Cause you know, it's, it's, it, it's not easy living, living in a house with 11 guys and, you know, going to meetings all the time and, you know, you get recovery, you know, is always in your face. But, you know, when I, when I look back at it, it was the time that I stayed there, like the long term time that I put in there just helped me, help me learn how to like basically live a sober life and something that, you know, that I lost, like, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't live without alcohol, but then it got to the point where I had to, you know, I had to do something about it. And I think just having that time to really, you know, to, to really look at myself and to kind of, kind of not so much like strategize, but just kind of try and try and figure out what my life really looked like and and what so I really wanted discover who you were discovered yeah, yeah. who I was yeah, yeah and just like yeah I, I don't know how to really explain that part of it but yeah no and and I you know I think you brought up a good point too just with this uh you know the fact that you're still seeing people that you went to that house with it's you know, we are giving up this, you're giving up everything, right? When you're, when you're starting over, it's not just giving up the substance, you know, you're giving up friend groups and yeah. lifestyle and, you know, um, so being able to kind of build that new core of friends in a, you know, that are kind of walking the same path and wanting kind of the same end goal as you, you know, that's, that's gotta be such a, such a key point to that as well. Right. It, and help start putting that life back together. And like you say, you, there are things that you need to experience um, with a little bit of support, right? Because it's all new, right? It's all new yeah. doing this through a sober lens, right? So, yeah. Um, so how you how long did you actually stay there for? This was you you were a, a long standing resident. Obviously, you were the longest standing senior resident that that we've ever had at the house. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was there from December twenty eighteen to uh, September. December 2018 to September uh, 2020, yeah, 2020. 2020. And, and? Or no, 2020, 2021. Yeah. 2020, 2020, yeah. So, so it, it was it was almost three years. Almost three, four so, years. Yeah, and then. So you, and you uh, left, obviously, for, for good reasons. You you were offered the, yeah. the housing coordinator position where all of a sudden uh, you were still going to have a huge part of this house, but now as, uh, as staff. Uh, as an employee, how did that change your dynamics? What, you know, what was that transition like? And, and now when you're on the other side of it, what's the, you know, what, what role do you, do you play now? Yeah. I mean, like when I was in the house, like the staff that was, that was there, you know, I looked up to and, you know, I respected, you know, hugely because, you know, I, it's, it's, it's not, a, not an easy job, you know, you get attached to guys and then, not everyone makes it, but, um, you know, my transition, you know, that was partly of the, partly the reason why, you know, I, why I left the house, you know, I, 
part of me didn't want to part of me was you know af- afraid of relapse but then you know when I look back at it you know I was ready for that and then you know being offered that role of you know of being on the other side of the desk was it it also was just like a big boost of confidence to to see that you know umbrella was putting their faith in me to you know to to be you know in charge of that and and it's a big you know it's a, i take it on as a big responsibility and you know it's it it has its moments where you know it is difficult especially you know when guys when guys relapse or you know when you when when you built up friendships you know i had to I was I was staff and you know some of the guys that were still living there were, were some of the guys that I lived with so it was it was hard on that that level as well like being change those dynamics change up. the yeah. dynamics overnight you know, like, yeah yeah but I mean I think I transitioned pretty well I mean it's I locked out you know it, it keeps me connected in in that environment and you know I'm I'm just fortunate you know to to be able to come back and you know to to be able to be employed and to get paid to do this job you know I I still you know, I, I treat it like it's, it's still my home <laughs> in a funny way. You know, I, I, it, it, the house changed my life. So, I mean, I owe a lot to that and, and I, and I do respect the house and, and being, being, being the manager now, you know, it's like, it's still kind of kill. It still sounds a little funny to me to, to call myself the manager, but, um, you know, I, I try and, you know, set the bar, you know, like when guys come in fresh, you know, I tell them, I'm like, okay, you know, I stayed here for three years, you know, this house changed my life, you know, I put the time in, I put the, the commitment into my recovery and, you know, and kind of showed them, showed them like how, how this house, if you stay here long term can, can really benefit you and, you know, it, it will keep you sober as long as you, you know, take your time be patient and you know don't rush things and that's what you know that's what I was told too when I came in you know just take your time and good things will happen to you and and I think that that's kind of what I what I bring to the table you know I I do like when guys come in fresh you know like some of them you know some of them just they're you know stuck stuck in their ways kind of like as you probably know Blake but um you know you never know with with guys though like it can be the guys that you least expect sometimes right those are the guys that just surprise you every day and just change that's the thing that too that that I see now being a staff member you you watch the guys come in fresh and then you see them change and it's just it's such a good feeling to see you guys like it finally clicking for them because, you know, a lot of them are coming in, too, with lots of years of experience and lots of relapses and, you know, a lot of struggles. So um, I think, like, having lived through it, I think I share that kind of, share that kind of, like, lived experience, they say. I think that, yeah. that it's important, and and I'm not afraid to tell them my story, and, you know, I, I tell them as well, you know, it's not just going to come because you want it to. Right. Like it's going to take some work like, and, right. but, but it is possible, you know, like, yeah. and, you know, I told them, I told tell them that, you know, I was down and out and, you know, the life I have now is just crazy. Like, yeah. So, I mean, obviously now you're moved out, you've, you know, working full time for umbrella, you're a housing coordinator, you're an outreach worker for us. Um, you know, obviously you've, you have a, a lovely, uh, fiance and partner and, and, uh, uh, 
little little baby boy and and another one on the way uh yep. pretty pretty exciting and and what a world uh you know different absolutely different world from from where you were four years ago right and, yeah, uh, yeah you know I'm, I'm sure there were times where you didn't think things were moving fast enough for you right yeah. you know and uh man what it what how it pays to stay the course right you know and, yeah. and, and put in the work um so if, if you were somebody who's you know on that other side of it you know maybe you want you're, you want to stop you're, you're not there yet you know uh, you've been discouraged you've tried you know do you have any advice do you have anything you know if you just have someone coming in uh, the first time or you know at a meeting or, or a, you know first client that you see or someone coming to the house that's pretty green what what's the what's the you know do you have anything that you have to say any any you know words of wisdom or you know uh messages of hope and optimism that that you can send across what would you say to them yeah yeah normally i just you know tell them tell them how bad it was for me and that you know how how good it is for me now basically right. kind of give them hope and inspiration you know like i remember people you know in in meetings and you know and when even an umbrella staff told me his story and then i was like damn and, and i looked up to him for that because you know I, I was like i wanted to be this guy like he's got you know fresh clothes and he's like got himself together and hearing his story was just like inspir inspiring because you know i was so hopeless coming in like i was just like i said earlier i was just like you know this is just my life i'm an alcoholic and my life sucks and mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, like f for me, I, I, when guys come in, I just, I, I tell them, you know, it's going to take time. You ha it, it's not just going to come because you want it. You got to actually put in the work and it is doable. And I never thought it was doable for me. And I think that everyone can get out of addiction if, if you know, there's got to be right circumstances. Every everybody's got different traumas and, and you know stories and. But I think that recovery is possible for anyone, no matter how far gone you may think you are. Right. I think it's still you know there's 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 got to be hope and and there is a way out because, um, you know, four years ago to to now, is just night and day for me and. Um, I try and try and bring that to the table when I meet someone for the first time or even a newcomer at a, at a meeting I go to, you know, just going up to them and just saying, you know, like you can, you can do this and, you know, it's going to take work, but it's worth it. You know, good things will happen to you if you, if you get sober and stay sober and, and, and then, yeah, basically just yeah. give them that hope. Just, right. well, and I don't think that's, that's, talked up enough it is possible it's doable it's doable for everybody you know some of the turnarounds we've seen are nothing short of miraculous right yeah. from where someone is when they start off and and seeing seeing them on the other side when they're you know when they've actually found that success you know yeah. and um you know man we've seen we've seen a lot of you know hard situations people leaving the house or mm -hmm. uh relapse you know within the house obviously you know probably you know too too many but um man we've seen so many success stories too right and man that's that for me is is so uplifting yeah. to see you know the turnaround the success people have had and and uh yeah i always you know when, when people have come through our house there's there's that feeling when you see them they're they're doing well it's uh it's it's pretty inspiring isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. i mean like just the other night we celebrated a guy's two years and like 
you know, two years ago he was like in deep psychosis and, you know, he, you know, he was pretty far gone and like to see him taking two years and to, to change his life around the way he did is just, it's incredible. Like, you know, if, if that, if someone that deep into it can change and come back to life and to be a, you know, a productive, productive mm. member of society, like he's got a good job and he's working like, right. and he's working full time, you know, he's, he's at the third stage and it's just, it's incredible to see that, like, you know, like, so right. it, 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 like I said, it's, it, recovery is doable for anybody, you, you, you know, but, uh, you know, another thing I didn't really mention too much is, you know, I had to, I had to want to do it and I had to want to do it for myself. That was right. another key thing that no one could push me into it, into doing it, you know, judges, you know, cops, you know, bosses or my mom or my sister, you know, you know, it had to come from deep down inside me. That's the X factor, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that, yeah, the personal determination. Yeah. yeah not doing it for anyone else. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, like I said, I, I always, you know, I always used you as, as a model and I still use you as a model of, of someone who I think understood the commitment and, and work it took and, and you're living proof of it. And yeah, super proud of you. And, yeah. and glad that you're you're where you are now and and i think there's just nothing but but good things for you to come in the future and and you definitely have, have put in enough uh work where any storm that comes you'll you'll weather it for sure you know <laughs> so you got the tools now and the and the, the support around you too yeah um, yeah that's yeah. that's a huge thing too right because like my support circle is just huge now and right. you know the, whether whether that's umbrella or you know my home group or you know my the friends that have come through the house and you know my my coworkers, you know, I got a lot of support in Victoria. You know, I, I, I came back to Victoria. I didn't know a single person here and, right. you know, all my people are in, involved in recovery and, and it's just, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's, right. that's what I needed yeah. is to be surrounded by people that are, you know, wanting to change and wanting to be healthy and, you know, and I would say in any community there, there are those people, there, there yeah. is a recovery community, you everywhere, know, I would, everywhere yeah. you go, you're going to find a recovery community and, and, and sometimes you got to seek those out. But, you know, uh, I, I, I agree. I think that's a huge part of it. Right. You know? Yeah. So listen, thank you so much for joining us. No, yeah. I'm yeah. Glad. Um, yeah. Your, your story is an inspiration. And, and, uh, like I said, we, we love having you, you know, keep the, the, the torch going at, at, at foundation house and keeping the, the spirit of, of that house alive and passing it along to the, the new folks that are, are walking that path now. So yeah, we'll uh, do. Really, yeah really proud of you, man. Yeah, and thanks uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me. No problem. So as I mentioned at the top, this is the first of three podcasts that's going to be focused on individuals coming through foundation house uh, that have found success in their recovery. Uh, what a great way to start. Uh, I find Eric's story super inspirational. And I just think he's a great guy. Um, yeah, he continues to be a role model for not only the people that are coming through Foundation House now, but uh, for the recovery community at large. Um, his sense of, of community and what he gives back um, to those that are just entering recovery uh, is really inspirational. And, uh, you know, it speaks volumes of who he is as a person. So, yeah, really happy to have Eric on this program. So I'll be spending the next two podcasts continuing to explore some really inspiring stories around Foundation House. I'll be able to get some different perspectives on why this is such a powerful and successful model. So thanks for listening. I hope these conversations are helpful and shed some light on the world of recovery. 
and hope you tune into our next session, which is going to be dropping in two weeks' time, where we continue to dive into some stories of hope coming out of Foundation House here in Victoria, British Columbia. For Comfortably Unnumb, I'm Blake Anderson. <laughs>